Welcome, welcome to the Firewolf Spiritually Traveling, the Firewolf Podcast, the podcast of many names, all the things. I'm Christy, welcome. I have myself in a timer today because I have, I wanted to talk about a specific subject I did a poll in my Insta stories. I'm probably going to repeat myself so much right now just because this podcast was on such a long hiatus and I've been working on one really big thing since then. So it's kind of all jumbled together, but I wanted to do a self-reflective podcast today. I know that I did one on the metaverse and I had the wonderful, lovely Elisa Einhorn of Moon Pluto Astrology on and the Mystical Guide to Practical Magic. Her book is out on Amazon. Check that book out and also on Audible. And uh, I wanted to come on and just do a self-reflective and funny enough what won in the poll on my Insta stories was that people were digging self-reflective podcasts um you know, I don't have a large listening audience, but I'm going to keep kind of a mixture. I'm not really, I'm going to keep this podcast ball rolling, whatever that looks like. If it looks like one podcast a year, one podcast a month, one podcast a week, two podcasts a week, I'm not going to judge myself. I have, I found some notes about like what I wanted to do and all my goals and recognizing that this year (laughs) it was like undoing goals. Um, I think a huge thing I wanted to talk about today, which I feel like could maybe get me into a little bit of trouble, but I've taken since August to really think this through. So this is my journey and it's very personal. So it's something that really caused me to have a a midlife crisis in comedy, I guess, in that for those of you who do listen to this podcast or watch me on social media, um, you know, my biggest goal that I ever wanted was to be at the comedy store and to live in Los Angeles and to be able to be one of those comics that, you know, started out at the door, you know, sat in the back of the room. I love sitting in the back of the room of a comedy club late at night. It is one of the coolest spaces to see. Um, I was so lucky that I was able to get the hostess position at the Laugh Factory in LA. And I absolutely am so freaking grateful for that. I got, I learned so much during my time there, I was not there long. And that was a personal choice because I saw the city of LA completely change and I kept pushing through it. There were a couple reasons why I left. One, I I know I've probably talked about it before, but the city got really, really dangerous for me. And because I don't have a car and because I was taking an hour and a half bus ride to Tarzana, which is for those who've never been to LA, it's like in the valley, it's about, um, you know, a 20 minute drive, but by bus, I had to take two different buses and it was getting really, really, really dangerous. Like to the point where I, for somebody who used to live in both Spanish Harlem in New York and, uh, mid Harlem in, uh, 
2000 and I guess that was 10, 2011, 2009 through about 2012, I, I've never in my life, and I've, you know, I lived in New York City for almost a decade, um, I've never in my life feared for my life in the way that I was kind of like, you're gonna end up probably, something's going to happen, because what was happening, I was getting home really late, and, um, getting followed, um, it was just not a good, it, it was a, it was something wait, there was something waiting to happen at some point, and as comics, our nights are very late, um, I have not been pulling these late nights in the last few months, I've been trying to reset my clock with comedy and what that is going to look like in the future for me, um, because I've had a lot of time to reflect about what stand-up comedy is for me. And for me, stand-up comedy is sacred. And what I think I lost when the comedy store was a no-go for working the door there was the sacred goal. It was a place I held so sacred for so long. And I fought the best I can, the best I knew how. I'm sure certain people could see me or portray me as rude in that situation, but really, honestly, it was a woman fighting for herself. It was somebody who had sacrificed so many things, who had been followed at night, who had been without meals, whose hormones were off kilter and having trouble, you know, with my ups and downs between, you know, my health and my personal, um, my personal safety, my personal keeping a roof over my head, downright humiliation, downright having to borrow money from people, people who won't talk to me, me not talking, you know, things over the years where I have really, and this is a comic's journey. This is the trenches of a comic's journey. It is, it, it, some things look so polished and fancy and there are people who out, out there who have probably had it so like straightforward they did everything right I did not you know and I have to you know where I didn't go right was I have a really hard time keeping a day job um over the years as a comic because if anything interfered with stand-up I would be like middle finger to the sky fuck you you're in my way of stand-up goals like no like I have a show things like that and putting comedy ahead of everything um, ahead of going to weddings, missing friends. I've had friends who've had two kids at this point. Um, several friends who are on their second and third kids that I've missed all their, their, their birthdays or them being born or being like, fuck, you had a baby already? Or, oh my God, I didn't realize you were nine months. You know, things that I've missed over the years that, um, I've put, had to put a lot into perspective. Like, you know, I've, I've really had to sit with myself since August and be like, what's your priority going forward? And my priority going forward is I'm in Austin now. I have something that I'm starting in about a week and a half that I have to do. It is a job that I have to do. There's no question in my mind that I was, I have to do this job, um, with all my heart 
and it's something that I really, really, really have been prepping for since I was in college. It's the reason why I split my degree between um, a full-time biology pre-med degree and a full-time pre-law political science degree um, because I wanted to combine both degrees and fight for people who are going through a really an unjust time in science. And the only way to do that is to understand what the fuck is going on, see things from a data perspective and understand that. So I don't know what stand-up comedy is going to look like going forward, but I do know that everything kind of all is falling together from doing debate team in college, aka Maryland Student Legislature, to um, getting on stage for the first time, to moving to New Zealand and starting stand-up overseas. And the reason why I even started the journey of stand-up is because of the sacred art of spoken word, sacred art of stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy has been around for centuries upon centuries, but it was considered philosophy, or it was considered word of mouth, or it was considered, you know, the word, passing along the word. And I think that that is what I realized that I lost that that initial what got you on stage the first time, which was your voice is a sacred voice. And I didn't know how to use it at the time. And I want to start looking at stand-up as more of my sacred space. So if that means I don't advertise shows, if that means I don't ever go to mics and I don't take pictures or selfies to make myself look glamorous for Instagram, if I just, all I want to do right now is to go into a room, put myself on a list with zero expectations and get up on a stage and talk it out. And that's really all I ever wanted to do when I started stand-up. I kind of realized it wasn't even until about a year or a year and a half into stand-up comedy that I realized, oh, you can, I saw my friends getting on bar shows. I was like, how do you do that? And then it became, oh, how do you go on the road? Or how do you get into a club? I've never been a past club comic. And I really have to be honest with myself about that is I might be just doing this for the rest of my life. Bar shows, open mics, you know, occasional really cool things. And that's okay. That's why I do this. Um, I, it never even, when I started my life, the last thing I would have ever thought of is getting on a movie. I've been so grateful doing the background acting work that I did in New York City that I've been in some incredible TV shows that I never really ever talk about. Um, I've been on in pilots and things like that. I would have never thought about that. And when you go to LA, you see people that you started with that made it. Like when I worked at the Laugh Factory for like the month, month and a half that I was there, there were people there on that stage that knew who I was from New York because we started together. And they're going for pilots and they're going for movies and they've got management. And it's great. That's awesome. That's their path. Um, Was it hard when I was there? to have to to be in the space and recognize that we were starting on the same notebook, you know, we were in the same trenches. Yeah, absolutely. Am I grateful that I got to watch my friends' journeys? Absolutely. 
is it still something where I ask myself, what if you had just gone down this path instead of that path? Would you have been up there on that stage instead of, you know, being followed at night trying to catch a bus and hoping that you don't miss the bus because you can't afford a lift to Tarzana? Yeah. And you're 35. And you don't have kids. And all the things that fuck with your mind when you're going through these times. Um, but I want to say this part, and I, I'm limiting myself to less than 20 minutes on this podcast, so I really want to say this part, is another thing that kind of confirmed that I was on the right track for myself was there was an incident, and I don't want to exploit anybody, and I haven't really talked about it because anytime a comedian dies, it usually becomes like this big thing on social media and everybody's chiming in. And I want to honor comedians that have passed um, in a in a great in a deeper light. Um, so I'm going to only speak of one. There, there was a group of comedians that passed away. I didn't know them. I only knew one of them, um, and another comedian that survived. And I want to honor their privacy. However, one of the comedians that passed away um, due to a drug. Um, I wouldn't even say overdose, it was more of a drug situation where it was fentanyl related, was a, uh, I wouldn't say he's a friend, although if I had stayed in LA for longer, who knows, you know, but he was more of a comedy acquaintance and his name was Fukon Johnson and his, aka Fu. Um, Fu if he were still alive today, you know, he was one of the major, even though I was out in LA from June the 1st till August 20th or 21st of this year, which is crazy to think about, um, Fu was a huge part of my week because he hosted a lot of the open mics at Flashback Open Mic on Melrose Avenue. And if I spoke about this before, my mind has blanked out, but I wanted to bring this up because when I was going through some really rough times, when I lost the goal, and remember, the goal for me was to work the door at the comedy store, be able to sit in the back of that room and do my thing, learn, understand. And um, what I recognized later, and maybe I misinterpreted it, is A, there was a lot of, um, there's a lot to still come through on a mass level. Um, that we, when it comes to COVID and how things are being tackled. Um, and I didn't agree. I didn't agree. Um, the second part was, you know, maybe I realize now I just jumped too fast and I wasn't ready. But I would have never have jumped unless I had already jumped so many times and been out there and I felt like this time pressure because I had lost a year and a half of where I would have already had been pushing. Um, so when it was a no, I was at flashback open mic when a friend of mine who made it into the position said, they, they just don't want you girl. Get clear with that. And they were being mad real. They were being mad real with me. But for the first time in my life, I got on stage 
and I went to go say my first joke, and just instead of words coming out of my mouth, tears came out of my eyes, and I excused myself from the room, took a walk around the block, signed up for the next mic in the, waited for the next mic round to come through, and then I don't know if I waited the hour because there wasn't enough room, or I came through on the next hour, um, and foo came up to me and hugged me and he said that he had so much respect that I even did that that I came back and it was because of Fu that I was even there prepping for the audition I was in that room I was in the fourth wall I was in whatever mic I could get into to try and prep for an audition on the 12th of June at the comedy store and for me that meant the world. For me, when I heard that Fu died, it was God's way of also saying, girl, keep going the way that you're going. Say prayers for this man who was so talented and had, you know, just been on Chocolate Sunday at the Laugh Factory the week before. You know, he was, I hope that Sometimes I think comedians' journeys are not spot on in the spotlight as much as they should be. You know, we weren't best friends, but this is a man who hugged me and told me what he, just because he's been through it. He gets it. He knows that. Um, and there were many other comics who, as well who were there for me when that happened. Um, so... If you can, check out Fuquan Johnson, his Instagram page, you know, YouTube. There's a lot of stuff he's got online. Keep his light alive. Um, but I want to do say this and share this story because while I'm here in Texas and I'm starting a new journey tonight, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to put this out Sunday or not. I've had to redirect my goals because what I held sacred, as I said before, died off. That dream died off. Does it mean it can't happen in the future? Absolutely not. It, it means that, you know, it, it means that for now I've got a lot to put on my, pl lot to put into action and figure out how to make that's a dog sneezing in the back. And how to make myself, not make myself, but fall in love with this sport in a way that I, I know I love it. Which I know the, 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 the flame is still there. I can feel it in my heart. But the humiliation, the embarrassment, the self-hate feeling like people know or between what happened with Kill Tony earlier this year where to this day people are like you did this this and this and it's like no I signed off I resigned from the show the circus because that's not why I started stand-up I started stand-up because this is sacred to me I started stand-up because I love this so much. I started stand-up because I'm a fucking fighter. There, You can't kill off a fighter. You can't kill off a warrior. 
they're always going to be a warrior. They're always going to be out there striving to be their own chief, striving to be their own authority, striving to be their own thing. And when you have somebody who's an independent, doesn't really follow the group, a fucking underdog, a fucking person who will fucking punch for what they love, when that sense of independence and that sense of awareness and that sense of why gets that rug gets taken out takes a long time for the warrior to realign with who they are it's just about getting stronger and stronger so I've at 20 minutes and I want to thank everybody who listens to the firewolf and I wish you an amazing day take care